Catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. Most of the modern states, including Nigeria, which emerged out of the colonial rule in the second half of the 20th century, adopted democracy as the guiding principle of political ideology. In modern times, however, democracy has acquired a much wider connotation. It is used not only for a specific form of social and political control, but also more generally to denote a certain way of life. Democracy is a system of government that gives preference to and strengthens citizens' decision-making and thereby promotes equal participation of local citizens in securing and building their nation for the collective good of all, while also upholding the principles of justice, peace, and the rule of law. Here, citizens who are also members of the civil society are to be recognized as active participants in deliberating issues that affect their lives with government officials both at the community, state and federal levels and not merely recognized as passive observers. New technologies have disrupted every way of living on earth, including the political part and the true impact of digital technologies on political education, political participation of the larger population. Electoral process and holding government accountable in Nigeria has not been fully appreciated. We're joined by the National Coordinator of Human Rights Volunteer Corps of Nigeria, Larry Oguego, as we highlight the impact of technology on the political process and human rights, which are major areas of our democracy. Welcome. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. It's my pleasure to be part of this conversation. It's such an honor to have you today. All right, sir. Now, what impact has technology made in political education and participation in Nigeria? Yeah, thank you. I, I think this is a double-biased question. We are, we are talking about political education and political participation. When we look at political education, I'll be honest and say clearly that we have not really deployed the benefits of the social media and political education. What we have is a situation where a lot of people use the social media platforms to vent their anger and uh, talk about their opinions, but there's no deliberate attempt by even the civil society, government institutions and agencies to use social media as a platform for political education in a conscious manner. I think we need to really, really uh, understand that. Uh, but when we talk about political participation, it's not just that social media has dramatically improved political participation. As a matter of fact, it is the potency of social media in shaping political commentary that made the political leaders become so jittery that they are thinking of different degrees of control of social media. Of course, one would expect that if you have a car, you must have brakes. So there is nothing wrong with the control, but the intent and the extent of control could be dangerous to free speech. But having said that, I think we've actually done well in terms of deploying social media towards improving political participation. If you cast your mind back a little while, you just realize that without the power of social media, we wouldn't be talking about the end science protest. It was basically driven by social media. As a matter of fact, it's even important at this point that we note that uh, even the present uh, president of the nation, Muhammad Buhari, benefited immensely from social media. 
it was actually his social media consultant that made it possible for, for people to begin to believe that he has removed the military soldier and is now born again in quote Democrat. So social media has played diverse roles in terms of political participation. It has stimulated young people to actually join the conversation. Unfortunately, most young people don't go beyond the conversation. That is my pain. In other words, there is this conversation on social media. But after the conversation, you expect them to go to the next level by, for instance, casting their vote, following the vote, social media to skin candidates, you know. We, we are not to benefit. We should be able to say, these guys are contesting for governorship. We want them to do their own political debate on social media. So we're going to have a Zoom meeting, and we're asking young people to come on board. And if you are not going to be able to talk to us on Zoom, we're not going to vote for you, because you are not able to communicate with young people. I don't see how you can communicate with us as governor if you're not willing to communicate before being elected. Unfortunately, that is not happening. Has it increased participation to the extent that there is more awareness of political activities going on? Yes. Has it increased political commentary? Yes. And has it reasonably improved the quality of our democracy? Not exactly. Wow. So how do we get to the point where the education, because it's very, very important that this education is there. How do we get to the point where this education does not leave, especially the youths, at just the level of participation, but this education can carry the youth from participation in conversations to actually involving themselves in the politics especially when it comes to elections? Yeah, I think this is a very important question. First of all, we are not even doing enough education. I was holding Zoom meetings online to conduct the human rights training and national transformation training. I stopped for some time, but I hope to start again in July. There should be deliberate training. When you train people, you seek to move them from point A to point B in a positive direction. Of course, sometimes training can achieve negative mean terrorists are also trained but we are looking at the negative aspects of training where you get someone who for instance believes that nothing good can come out from nigeria somebody says that on radio all right now moving on the electoral commission in nigeria INEC, in may 2021 announced the introduction of online voters registration should nigeria also be discussing online elections how viable is that the truth is that we should uh, be having that conversation. It, it, it's challenging to look at online voting, considering that we may not have the infrastructure to support it, the backbone. But then we can actually make those things happen. If we can put our money in the banks and we trust the banks to do transactions with our money, we can do online transactions, transfer money, receive money, do POS and all of that. If we can do that on a daily basis, including in the rural areas, I don't see why we shouldn't be having a conversation about electronic voting. Because, like I said earlier, if the banks are doing it and they are not as influential, you could also say as wealthy as the federal government. So I don't see why we can't really do that. Except that, in my opinion, some people are really afraid of a process that may be difficult to tamper with. Some schools of thought say, oh, that if we have electronic voting, it may even be easier that all you have to do is to access the car server or hack into the server and you modify the source. But it's not that simple because at every stage in the process, there will be imprints of what is happening. So I think that the, the powers that be are really afraid of electronic voting processes. 
if you are doing electronic registration, one can also do electronic voting. However, if we're going to do that, we're going to first of all ensure that we have the infrastructure in place. Even if we don't have the whole infrastructure, we should be able to improvise. For instance, how do we have service in certain rural areas where you may not have telephony service presently? So is this something we should be talking about? Yes. Is this something we can do in the next few years? The answer is yes. But we must have the political will to do it. If we don't have the political will, we'll just make excuses so that people can still carry ballot boxes and run away. Uh, that's actually why we are, we, are, we are living in the analog regime. They don't want anything that will totally disenfranchise them and uh, make it possible for the common man to be able to control the process. I think that is part of the problem. But is this something we can do? Yes, if we want to do it, we can. If we can do it with banking, I mean, people don't joke with money around here and they, they, they trust their money with banks that deploy technology. Why can't we trust an INEC that will, will be properly staffed, properly equipped to conduct elections using uh, deploying technology? Mm. Well said, sir. I agree with you on that one. There's a lot of work to be done if we're going to see this become realistic. Now, we have had political campaigns in Nigeria which thrive because of social media. So how should digital campaigning and election be regulated, one? And two, what actions should the government, companies, individuals, and campaigners take? Uh, how can we regulate electronic social media campaigns, electronic campaigns, and all of that? I think it's even easier to regulate than, for instance, campaigns on radio. Why? Because you naturally leave footprint. For instance, if you, if you conduct campaigns on social media, you leave footprint. So it's easy for agencies to go back and check what you are saying, whether the plans hate speech, whether you're trying to divide and rule, whether you're trying to introduce strategies that are not acceptable to INET, or strategies that will create racism among the youth and all of that. So I believe that all the government has to do is to recognize that they need to restructure the way they run the public service. I will explain. If you go to our public institutions, you go to a place like, I don't want to say INEC because I don't know who is there, but if you go to most public institutions, you find out that the heads of the ICT department and the people who populate the top hierarchy of the institutions are really not particularly skilled in managing social media and deploying the benefits of social media and ICT in these areas we are talking about. And that is really not nice. And we have uh, institutions that are supposed to uh, focus on orientation, for instance, who should also be able to monitor such campaign strategies and outputs, like National Orientation Agency. So how much do they deploy technology? Do they have a department that, for instance, focuses on national orientation through the use of social media? I don't think they have that department. If they do, it's not working. Now, why am I saying this? I think we need to wake up to the reality that young people have certain skills that old people don't have. And we need to deploy young people to manage certain aspects of our national institution. And when we have, for instance, public relations officer, like we have the police public relations officer, do we have a department of public relations that focuses on social media? The answer is still no. So I think one of the things our leaders must begin to do is to recognize that there are skills that young people have that the older generation does not just have. And we need to begin to harness those skills. When we harness those skills, we find out that it's very easy to actually monitor these things and even use the technology to our advantage. Unfortunately, if you go to most of these institutions, you see geriatric persons, people who are supposed to have retired, who don't understand what ICT means, how much more social media. 
managing things. So if you are talking about monitoring, they will tell you yes, we are monitoring, but they don't have the capacity and they won't they, they, they won't even do it well. But is it possible to do that? Yes, for me it's even easier. Considering that you always leave the print when you use social media to do things. Now stakeholders, the role of stakeholders, the government, the companies, individuals, what role do they need to play to make digital campaigning and elections work? Wonderful question. Uh, first of all, when we talk about stakeholders, we talk about individuals, then you scale up to organizations, companies, and then government. I want to focus on the individual. You know why? It is the individual that actually takes decisions and makes choices in companies and organizations. It is also individuals that take decisions and make choices for us in government. Most of the time, we don't seem to realize that what we call policies and government actions or inactions are actually based on the quality of individuals we have in those offices or institutions. So I will just focus on the individual for now. We should begin to take responsibility for the things we put out, the things we say. I think that is the biggest problem that we have not been able to recognize. The average Nigerian is very good, very, very good at pointing fingers at other persons without recognizing that we have personal roles to play. For instance, I tell all my friends that a person who has not transformed himself does not have the moral right to ask another person to transform. At least you should be seen to making efforts to transform yourself, even if you're not affected the act of that transformation. A person who is manifestly corrupt and is stealing money where he works does not have the right to accuse a governor of being corrupt and then be making a lot of noise about it. In a similar vein, most Nigerians have views and actually project views that are inhibitor to national development. And uh, that kind of attitude is what reflects across the board. Because we are not able to manage our emotions as individuals, because we are not constructive in criticism, most of the time we dwell on the problem, we don't ever think of a solution. And even if we think of a solution, we are not willing to be part of the solution, then we have these things continuing to happen. Why am I saying this? If we become responsible users of technology and social media as individuals, then our capacity to use social media and technology responsibly will now actually begin to influence the way we make choices and the policies and strategies and things we do in our places of work. So I think that Nigerians must learn to start with self. Like the Revat Mahatma Gandhi said, be the good you want to see in the world. If you are not willing to be good, then you don't have any right to be expecting every person to be good while you continue the way you've always wanted to continue. So I think that if we can begin to focus on the individual and then teach individuals to deploy their influence, don't just say, I'm a good person. So if you're a good person, are you trying to get other persons to be good? Are you just saying, well, I'm not the problem. So as far as I'm not the problem, I, I, I'm blameless. So the, the country can keep going the way it's going. When we teach people to be responsible as individuals and then to deploy their good influence to affect other persons, what will happen is that over time, we'll have a new culture of um, making both the social media and the data political landscape better. But as long as we absolve ourselves of any responsibility and expect that INEC will do this, National Orientation Agency will do that, the government will do this and that, and we forget that all of those places are actually spaces occupied by individuals like us who make choices every day and who the things we say can influence, then it means we are not ready for change yet. So my position is that we should take personal responsibility and when we do, and then become agents of positive influence, the change will now visit organizations and government agencies and even government itself. Mm, they say that people get the leaders that they deserve. Well, I would stop there. 
but a lot of Nigerians are now digital citizens. What does good digital citizenship look like? And how can we advance it in Nigeria? Does it end at just taking responsibility when you're using digital technologies? Well, if you're a good digital citizen, then you should deploy the digital space to accomplish the duties of a citizen. You know, the constitution makes clear provisions for the duties of a citizen. Most Nigerians are totally literate when it comes to the provisions for the Nigerian constitution as amended. There are responsibilities given to a citizen. One of the responsibilities is to actually make your community, that is the place where you reside, better. That is, you have to make positive contributions that to make your community better. Apart from other responsibilities like paying your taxes, helping security agents and all of that. You are supposed to, there are two areas that you can deploy as, as far as this question is concerned. One is that we should make our communities better. Two is that we should promote the good name and the prestige of Nigeria as a nation. These are duties of citizens in Nigeria, not my opinion, but these are duties that the constitution gave to them. So if you are a good digital citizen, then you should use the digital space to actually perform the duties of a good citizen. For instance, how do you use digital space to make your community better, especially politically speaking? It seems that you have to deploy it to fight hate speech on social media. When I open certain social media platforms, when I read the kind of things people are saying based on tribal sentiments, I'll be honest with you, I get shocked at the level of venom that these people spew out on their fingers. I don't know how people make such statements about their neighbors, about me. You are talking down on this tribe. You forget that you have personal friends who actually are from that tribe and all that. So the, we need to use the digital space as individuals to, to make our communities better. And it still goes back to what I said earlier. It's what you have that you give. You can't give what you don't have. I think Nigerians need to be educated on citizenship. We lack citizenship education. When I was much younger, when I was in primary school, we used to study civics. And civics is about uh, nation building. Unfortunately, we don't talk about those things anymore. And I think we need to go back and introduce not just civics, but citizenship education across the board. And our leaders need it more than the followers. Because unfortunately, our leaders are not even behaving like good citizens. So it's very difficult for the citizens to find good role models you know, to look up to. But we don't have to wait for them. We need to look at how other nations are deploying the digital space to their benefit. If you look at what's happening in Ghana, just things that's happening in Nigeria, I don't want to go to advanced countries. Ghana here. If you go to Rwanda and you post the kind of things they post in Nigeria, you'll be in trouble. But in Nigeria, it appears that we have deliberately taken our extreme tribal sentiments and religious sentiments in social media. Young people especially should actually give, become more objective and more constructive about the things they, they, they post. But most importantly, we should organize ourselves. The way people organize and do NFAC and mobilize for protests that are legitimate, we should also mobilize to use social media to campaign for good causes, to identify good candidates for elections. To insist that parties should not be charging 10 million, 20 million for just nomination primary forms. It's something that is used to deliberately exclude the young people from participating in partisan politics and going for elective positions. Of course, there are parties that don't charge 10 million. And we can also use social media to encourage young people, for instance, to go to those parties, pick up their phones for free or with 10,000 naira, and then we can mobilize on social media and support them and expose all the plans for the so-called big parties to reach the election and begin to make things work. Unfortunately, most people are busy trying to put the next meal on their table and they don't remember some of the things I'm talking about. 
And that is why we have said consistently that this government appears to have weaponized hunger. Because when a person is very hungry, the person's priority may be to eat food. But my position, I'll say this, and this is very important, my position is that if you are very hungry, while you are trying to find food to eat, please ask yourself, what is the source, the real source of my hunger? Is it that we don't have food, or that we don't have a nation that can produce food, or that we have a bad system and structure and leadership that makes it difficult for me to get food to my table? If your answer is that the system and the governance makes it difficult, you should find time while you pursue the food you want to eat to also correct that particular problem that makes it difficult for you to even find the food. So don't tell me that oh, I'm hungry, that is when I finish eating and I'm satisfied that I'll start talking about politics or change. No. If you're hungry, you have more reasons to pursue change. Wow. Because if you pursue change and you get the change, then you're more likely to stop being hungry. Mm. Yeah, so there's, there's been a lot of talk recently about regulation of social media and some other digital technologies. Uh, what tenets of democracy should inform the regulation of social media or other digital technologies? Uh, well, I must say something that some people may not like, but it's true. Rights are not absolute. Even the right to life is not absolute. There are circumstances under which a person can be killed even by the law. For instance, if a high court pronounces judgment, a person can be killed. And uh, if under certain other circumstances, even a policeman can take the life of someone, for instance, who's escaping from arrest or from prison and all of that. So rights are not absolute. Now, why am I saying this? A lot of people don't want government to regulate social media. But the same people don't want to use social media responsibly. Why I'm not in support of this particular government regulating social media is because I believe that, that they will abuse the regulation of social media. We don't trust them. That's the problem. I don't have any problem regulating things that people abuse. Because there's a way that someone will talk to me on social media, I won't be happy. I would wish I can actually punish the person or restrain the person in some manner. Already there are, there are social media regulations even in Nigeria now. Because we have laws that actually made it an offense, for instance, to stop someone, harass, do this and that. There are laws that are existing. But they are actually thinking of regulating social media in such a manner that will lead to gagging people. You know, that was making it impossible for us to say practically anything. And if you look at the kind of penalties that they are trying to impose on social media offenses, and then look at the kind of penalties that they are imposing on corrupt practices. You begin to ask yourself, how can you be talking of doing this to somebody who just says something on social media? And then the people who take the very life of the nation by stealing the money and the resources that makes the, that's supposed to make the nation work. You don't, you're, not even legis you're not even talking about it. So we have to be careful about the social media thing. My position is that if we want to say don't regulate social media in a manner that we do not accept, then we should on our own regulate what we do. In other words, we should be responsible when we use social media. However, even if we are not responsible, don't throw away the baby with the bathwater. If they want to regulate, we have to keep our eyes open to make sure that they don't regulate in a manner that makes it impossible for Larry O'Gregor to put something on social media. And then they'll say, oh, because you are not a member of a certain political party, or because you've said something that exposed the corruption that is going on, that they put me in jail. We don't trust our leaders enough to give them the kind of social media regulation tools that they want because they will use it as Jesus. But it's the right to talk, the right to express your views, the right to participate politically and social media. Is it absolute? The answer is no. But is it a democratic right? The answer is yes. So we have to strike a balance between enjoying that our democratic right, that is freedom of speech, freedom of expression, and then between using it and using it responsibly. That is the problem we are not talking about. We have to use these rights responsibly. When we don't use them responsibly, the, the government can step in. However, the problem is that the government that's supposed to step in is also biased. And they are using most of these tools, the tools of regulation, to gag those who they think are not their cronies and their past. So that is my concern there.
But whatever they do, we are insisting that they should not remove our right to express ourselves freely. We have a right to express ourselves. In a community where you refuse to tell us the truth, then people will speculate. They don't give us information on certain things that are important to us. They don't tell us anything. There was a time our president was sick in this country, and nobody told us the state of his health, where he was, where he was coming back, and we started speculating. And when you speculate on social media, some people will be angry. But most of the time, speculation arises because you refuse to give us information. So I think we need to really be conscious as citizens that we have a right to self-expression, freedom of speech, and all of that. We also have to be conscious that those rights should be used responsibly. We have to realize that rights are not absolute, so they may be regulated. But finally, we have to insist that in regulating whatever rights, please don't strip us of the capacity to enjoy our rights. Regulation is different from gagging us or stripping us of the rights to even talk at all, because that is where we're attending now, and it's not acceptable to us. Wow. I wish we could go on and on and on discussing human rights and uh, how they relate to technology and how they play out in the Nigerian democratic scene. But we've actually overstayed our time and we have to go. Thank you very much. We've been discussing with the National Coordinator Human Rights Volunteer Corps of Nigeria, Star Larry Okwego. Thank you very much for the time and for the insights. It's always my pleasure if we can have this conversation again. There's so much to talk about. And one last word for, for today. You have an amazing platform. You have a wonderful platform. And I hope that you will also deliberately deploy your platform to affect the digital space positively when it comes to reforming the minds of young people to become good political players. Yes, you can do that. So the, let the, the goodness that we want begin with you. Thank you very much. We'll keep making efforts uh, to right. make that work. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, as we, as we always say in Nigeria, it go better. But let's not just say the words. Let's talk and walk mm. the walk of ego better. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.